Um, but today I want to talk about uh, being forgiven. Ooh. It's, it's good. It's tough, but it's good. And as you know, or most of you know, one of the relationships that I've struggled with the most is with my, my neighbor. Um, yeah, it does need a miracle. Um, I tell you, <laughs> everything's okay. But um, before, when we had our tree and he threatened us, um, you know, he, well, about the tree, said, oh, you know, if you don't cut it down, I'm taking it to the tribunal, whatever. And we want to put a fence for our dog. And if you know the rules is the neighbor pays half. And he goes, no, I'm not going to pay. And I'm thinking, I could go to the tribunal and get my half of this back. And I am not doing it. I'm being nice, calm, and generous. And I'm trying to be forgiving. Uh, so, you know, so I say trying to be forgiving. I don't say I've forgiven him. I'm working on it. It's a continual process of me learning to forgive him because he just keeps giving me good stuff. He, every time I have a conversation with him, he sees my dog, he goes, oh, you should be doing this. Oh, you should be doing that. Oh, there's leaves in your, you should be cleaning your roof. Oh, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. I'm going, okay, thanks, Mike. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And, and it just keeps happening. Like, with forgiveness, like... Okay, we're going off this. No, no, no. <laughs> I do hope it, no, he really comes to another church one day. Um, and, but see, reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness takes one person. I can forgive, but I can't be reconciled unless he wants to be too. And we need to remember that in our relationships that we have with people and our relationship with God. So this year, we're looking at true identity. And for me, true identity is talking about the foundations, getting the foundations right. And if you have that picture, you got it? Um, we went for a walk, and this is a neighbor's house um, near us. And basically, it was probably um, two retaining walls about three to four meters high, I think. And just with all the storms, they, it's all just collapsed. And you can see when you look at it, it wasn't built correctly. They didn't have the gravel behind it. They didn't use their geotech fabric. They didn't have a, an ag pipe at the bottom for the water to drain away. None of those things you'd expect. And I know this because we've just put a little retaining wall in our, in our yard. And I know, and I went looking and going, oh, have they done that? Have they done that? And I go, no, 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 no. And, and so this is what happens when the storm comes and the foundation isn't right. And so we need to make sure our foundation is right. And I know I'm still working on my foundation. This is nothing about accusing anyone because I know I've gone to Bible college. I've passed an interview to be a pastor, all those kind of things. And I'm still learning to get my foundation right. And so I'm thinking some of you might be in the same situation as me. So one of those foundations that talks about in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, is forgiveness or repentance for, from sins, it talks about. Um, and so when you hear about this, you go, oh, basics, boring. Um, and we can struggle with that. But if we don't get it right, it's going to reveal something later on. When you come to that crisis, you are going to see your foundation is not correct. So we want to get it right. Um, 
yeah. So what is forgiveness? Um, so similar to being justified, Paul normally uses the words justified or justification, being declared righteous, declared to be in right relationship with God. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 7. And here, just before this, Luke is starting to create a diversion. Here we're looking at Jesus. Before this is a bit of a sermon. Jesus gave lots of nice illustrations where it's nice just to sit and listen. I'm good. Oh, he's a good teacher. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a good one. But now it comes to crunch time. A decision has to be made. You are going to decide one way or another which way you're going to go with Jesus. And so, um, and as we read, we're just watching um, a movie yesterday. It was, um, I guess, abusive husband. And the wife says, because he keeps saying, sorry, you know, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that I did that. Um, And she says, how many bad things do you have to do before it makes you a bad person? And I was just thinking, what makes us bad? And when we read this story and we think about what, what's a sinner, basically, um, and keep keep that in mind. So beginning at the first, at verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now the first thing, I'm just going to go through bit by bit. Sorry, you can make it hard for you, Shara. Um, so Simon asked Jesus to come to his house. The interesting thing is, Jesus does not refuse. And I add, Jesus never does. When we ask him to come to our house and eat, he never says no. That's a great first point. Don't you think? Good. I think it is too. So um, verse 37 says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet and with, with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, she loosened her hair. And if you read later on in um, Paul, um, it was women meant to keep their hair tied up and um, in a tidy state. And kissing the feet, all of these things were offensive things to do. Everything about her... Uh, they say she was a prostitute, but it's not clear here whether she was. Um, everything was offensive except her attitude. And, and that's what we're going to get to is the attitude. So uh, verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And so the word for sinner here um, technically means someone who is um, an outsider. They're not a covenant keeper. The Pharisee, he was doing the best he could. And I know a lot of the times when we read the uh, Gospels, when we see the word Pharisee, we go, oh, negative, he's bad. Um, he's obviously whitewashed tomb, something like that. But here, um, Luke doesn't really quite do that. He's going, well, this guy invited Jesus to, to his house. He goes, well, maybe he is, maybe he is something. I want to find out more. I'm curious, so I invite him in. And he wants to find out. But then he, he's trying to keep his covenant, remember, from his understanding of what the law is 
he's trying to do the right thing. And that's important to remember um, because the Pharisee is a covenant keeper. But what Jesus is doing is having a relationship with someone who's not a covenant keeper. Okay, and that that meant she was unclean, and that would technically make Jesus unclean. And so he's going, well, if he knows that, if he really were a prophet, he would know she's unclean, and he wouldn't let her touch him. So I want to look at God's offer to us. When it's easy, if you read um, Hebrews or you read the Old Testament and the tabernacle and the offerings and sacrifices and all that, it can almost seem God is trying to stop us from coming to him. With all these rules, all these things that had to be done, he's making it so hard. Like when you look at them, I think if I was there, I think I would have been stoned at some stage. And I don't know how about you feel when you read the Old Testament and go, yeah, I think I would have done that same guy. I would have gone out on a Sunday and looked for the manna just to make sure, was there something today? And they stoned the people that did that. Um, I wouldn't have lasted very long. And I, I thank God that I'm in a time of grace. Uh, I, I need it. He knew we needed to be here at this point in time. Um, but what, what we see with Jesus and other things, when you look at the other way, instead of it being God making it difficult to come to approach him, he is doing everything he can to make it possible for us to approach him. When we look at it that way, instead of it's really difficult, we'll look at, no, God is making every, doing everything he possibly can to make sure I can come to him. And um, for um, our wedding anniversary, we haven't been able to go away yet, but I bought uh, Dima a chemise. I think I'm saying it correctly, a chemise. I don't know what they call it, like a nighty kind of thing. I know, I knew exactly what I was doing at the time. And it's the first time I bought clothing in probably about 10 years as a gift. And I got the size wrong, which is like the worst thing. And so unfortunately, uh, Dima, you're not getting clothes for another 10 years at least. Um, what's that mean? And so I had to write to explain because I ripped off the tag. Uh, the dog ate the, the bag because um, it says, is the tag still attached? Um, is it an original packaging? And so I wrote and said, this is what's happened. I didn't say the dog ate it. I just said it's been damaged. Um, and they said, we'll make an exception in this case only. And I went, yes. But then I realized God keeps making exceptions to us. It's not, in this one case, I'm going to forgive you. In this one time, I'm going to let it do it. He does it again and again because of the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And even though I'm not going to talk a lot about the cross of Christ, everything behind forgiveness and what Jesus is doing here is attached to Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. Just to make sure you're not going to say, I'm not talking about Jesus on the cross. Okay. So the Pharisee is thinking, Jesus is not a prophet. First he goes, maybe he's a prophet. No, if he was a prophet, no, he's a man. Okay, so in the Pharisee's estimation, Jesus is going downhill. Yeah? Um, and his actions, what he's letting this woman do, um, indicate a lack of status. So it was the assumption that prophets have nothing to do with sinners. And the idea for the Pharisee was separation is the game, the name of the game. It's what's going to keep me clean. 
hidden in right relationship with God. And sometimes that comes into our Christian way of thinking that separation is the best way for me to remain in right relationship with God, which is totally wrong. Proved by here what Jesus was doing, having dinner with um, allowing sinners to come and um, wash his feet, kiss his feet, all those kind of things. So verse 40, we're up to. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? So first of all, Jesus just gone from a man to a prophet. I know what you're thinking. Okay, so he's just changed um, a little bit about what's going on. And so we're now we're talking about our response to forgiveness. What's our response? Both, I'm going to say were forgiven, or you could even say could have been forgiven, depending, because it's about Simon, who doesn't, we don't see accepting the forgiveness. And I think Luke includes this little story just to prove, because it's easy to think, because of what this woman did and her love for Jesus, then she got forgiven. And that's wrong because that is, if I work and do the right things and go to church, say the right things, look Christian, God will forgive me. And that is totally wrong because the forgiveness comes first and the love is a response to that forgiveness that we have received and accepted. Nothing else saves us. It's all about God. So the people of Jesus' day would have assumed the Pharisee is the one who is right. You know, when we read it, we already know that the Pharisee is wrong because we've read it before. We know how the other Gospels talk about Pharisees and how bad they are. But they would have gone, no, the Pharisee is the one who's doing the right thing. That's what they would have thought. And so this is where this is shocking for them. And for us, it's not so shocking. Oh, yeah, she wiped her tears. Oh, yeah, that's a great little bit of devotion but we don't realize exactly what it meant back then, how offensive it was to all those around what this woman was doing. So we might not not identify fully with Simon or the woman. Okay, and we might be in, there's a scale there of awareness of sin, awareness of forgiveness. And for me, sometimes... I think I've become more like Simon than I would want to admit. And I don't know where you are on that scale of showing love to God and and working for uh, forgiveness and where you are, but it has to be clear that forgiveness comes first and love is a result of that forgiveness, and that's why I do things for God. And in that scale, if we can look look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, just as a little sidetrack. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I think many of us, when we become Christians, we start off in the grace Um, as the woman, and we can tend to, over the years, slide to the the Pharisee side of things, slide, and even though this this says works, that God prepared in advance for us to do, so it's God's works through him, we can start doing the good good works 
the God works without the God. Um, and we tend to do that as Christians. We move away um, from the grace side of things to the work side of things. And it's easy because we're doing the daily life with the weekly life of coming to church and uh, you might read the Bible and all those kind of things. And we go, no, I'm ticking the boxes. And for me, I like having my little bit of software and I click off that I've done the daily reading and stuff like that. And I go, yes, tick. I've achieved something to do with my relationship. But it's more than about ticking a little box to say I've met a little goal of our relationship. It's all about me wanting to show love for this Jesus who forgave me when I didn't deserve it. So the thing is, return to the first love. So we've slid across from the first love to this other kind of thing that we're doing things and make it look like we're Christians, look like we have a relationship with God. And God says, return to your first love. Come back over this side where it was all about grace, where it was all about how much you love me, how much you didn't care when you... Um, you know, wet my feet with your tears when you did all these things where the people around were all judging you for what you look like, but you didn't care about what they thought. You only cared about what I thought. And now all of a sudden becomes more over here. You go, well, uh, what, what, what are they going to think? If I say that, what are they? If I stuff up, what are they going to think? Instead of going, well, what I, all I'm concerned about is what Jesus thinks of me. And somehow that goes out the window So in verse, I think we're up to verse 44, someone replied, I suppose, he says, the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, Jesus says, you have judged correctly. So Simon goes, I suppose, for me, I'm thinking, is this a trap? I'm going to get stuck somewhere here. I know it. I've seen Jesus enough to know he is really good at his arguments, and I'm going to get trapped. He goes, I suppose, so he's a bit of a, Grudging response, you know, if you're really going to force me to say it. And then Jesus says in verse 44, I might have said the numbers there wrongly. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, I don't know about you, but when you read this, the whole thing is about what the Pharisee has seen this woman do. And Jesus said, do you see this woman? And if, if, if it was me, I'd be going... Um, I've been here in the same little room with you, watching her do this. What do you mean, do I see her? And what Jesus is really saying is, are you blind? Are you blind? Are you spiritually blind? Because that was Simon's real problem, was blindness. He couldn't see himself, woman, or Jesus. He couldn't work at any of it out. It was easy for him to say, she's a sinner, but impossible for him to say, I'm a sinner. He just could not see that. I've ticked all the boxes. I'm okay. His sins were hidden. Hers were all public. She didn't have a choice. And that's why she came in knowing all these people and what they thought. And she didn't care about them. And so Jesus says, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, 
For this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And I think this story is not about necessarily little and lot, but it's about awareness. Because I think any of us that have the awareness that we are a sinner, whether it's small, little, not very much. The thing is, I'm still a sinner and I still need God's forgiveness and I still want to show Jesus so much love because he first loved me. And that's, that's really what it's all about. So in this story so far, Jesus goes from man to teacher to prophet to God. For they say, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And they say, who is this who even forgives sins? Only God can forgive sins. So they've gone from man, teacher, prophet, God. And the Pharisee have gone from Pharisee to Simon to sinner. And I think when we encounter Jesus, the more we do it, the higher he goes up and the lower we go down. And that gap just makes us realize how much we need him. So we want to understand that we are forgiven. And the thing is, uh, many counselors these days, in the old days, they would go, let's dig back down into that story, that trauma, and let's spend lots of time back there and try and work it all out. But nowadays they go, well, just vent about it, tell me, and let's move on to the future. And counseling has really worked out that when we focus on the future, not on the, the past. And so when we see forgiveness, we want to look at what forgiveness provides me in the future is that reconciliation with God. That I now have something to look forward to. How did this woman know that her sins were forgiven? Jesus told her. How do we know that our sins are forgiven? God tells us in his word in 1 John 8 to 10. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be liar and his word is not in us. When I was preparing this, I was thinking, I don't quite feel this. And I think it's important to remember that's not forgiveness isn't about a feeling. But if we understand fully about what Jesus did on the cross and what it means for us, then our life is going to be different. And that's what we want. We want to see the result of that forgiveness because knowing they're forgiven means that we're going to be willing to forgive other people because we recognize that we have been forgiven a lot, all of us. And so therefore we want to show forgiveness to other people. Because it affects all our affects our relationship with God, our own forgot confidence. You know, when you know that you're forgotten, when you do something wrong and you go into that depression, knowing that you're forgiven means I'm restored, doesn't it? It's different. The unity within the church, because when we forgive other people, we bring unity to the church. And how we evangelize, when we reach out to other people, we don't think I have to be separate from them. But we think, I have to reach out with them with love, like what Carissa talked about. We want to have a big, big idea of what the gospel is really all about. And there's nothing wrong with going back to the foundations. 
because it sets us up for a great future in Jesus Christ, knowing what he has done and being certain. So when the storm comes, when he's asked us to do something, we know exactly what we've got to do. So let's stand. I want to pray for you before we sing. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, that we might be forgiven, that we might be restored in right relationship with you, declared righteous, justified, that we might spend eternity with you. And we pray that you remember, that we will remember your word to us each day, that we are forgiven, that we need you, and that everything's going to be okay because you're with us, Lord. You're with us every step, every day. In Jesus' name, let's worship Him and praise Him.